Good morning, church. Whether you are new here or a seasoned veteran of Fourth Avenue, welcome home. If you're joining us online today, we thank you so much for choosing to worship with us this Sunday morning. You might be wondering why I say welcome home, and the reason why is because this church exemplifies what a church family truly is. It's supported my family in times of need. It has helped us whenever we need help. And even today with Miss Pig, we all celebrate Miss Pig coming back. And a family celebrates when somebody comes back home. Uh, I've been celebrated when I come back home here too, and it's so great to look out and see my church family. Um, if you don't know us, this is, well, this is me. I'm Cameron Webb. This is my dad, Mike. Uh, I'm a freshman at the University of Alabama, Roll Tide. Um, I know there's a lot of Tennessee fans in there, including my mom, who's very disappointed in me for choosing Alabama. Um, and my dad, he is a shepherd here at Forth, and uh, we're just happy to be up here with you today. Um, the mission of Fourth Avenue Church is to love God, serve others, and share Jesus, and we hope to do that with you today. No. All right. Well, as we get started today, we're going to look at Matthew 14. It's going to be a time when Jesus has a dinner, and he's anointed at that dinner. Uh, our message today actually follows last week's message by Shane, which asked us to be bold. So we'll follow along with that message today. If you're new to church, and this is your first time at a church or first time with us, if you have questions, we're going to have a family prayer time at the end. There's a great time to get connected. There's going to be people around this room that love you, and you might think, well, I don't know you, but trust me, you're loved when you're here. As I was reflecting on these scriptures, the story of the anointing of Jesus, uh, Tony had asked if somebody would be willing to preach uh, one of the upcoming Sundays. And this story was on my heart, and I waited. I thought, no, I don't, I don't think I should share that. Well, one morning I wake up, and I'm like, yes, I should. I text Tony, and guess what story he's reading out of the Bible at that moment? This exact story today. So that confirmed for me that, you know what, this might be a message that at least I need to hear. Hopefully, maybe one person here needs to hear it as well. The next thing Tony said was, hey, guess what date I'd like for you to share that on? March 20th. Now, to most of you, March 20th is just a day. March 20th a year ago was the day I had a motorcycle accident and got my leg broken. Uh, we were driving here, or I was dri riding my motorcycle to come here to stand on this stage with Cameron to prepare for a sermon the next day. So this day matters uh, to us. Uh, it was nice for Jenny this morning to say, I'm glad you're here today, and I'm glad I'm here as well. I'd like to thank this body for the amazing prayers that you guys have offered for us on our behalf. So thank you. When we say the family at fourth, if you don't know what that means, for our family, it looked like being fed for, I think it was four months, three months, every meal. Okay, uh, looks like he's about to cry, so I'm going to jump in here. Um, <laughs> I'm not done yet. <laughs> so, thank you all very, very much. It means the world to us. Um, now, as we get into the Word today, at Fourth Avenue, we hold the Bible in high esteem. What does that mean? We believe that all Scripture is God-breathed and useful for us. If we disagree with the Bible, we want to wrestle with what we think and not throw the Bible out. So the Bible means a lot to us. And Cameron's going to start us off and get, and get to reading here just after the prayer. So as my dad said, uh, we're going to be talking about the alabaster jar story. It's at the beginning of Mark 14. 
Uh, so while I pray, if you all want to turn to your Bibles there. Uh, dear God, thank you for us being able to be up here with our church family this morning. Um, Lord, I pray that you go before us in this text and make a way. Uh, let the words be spoken from our mouths not be of us, but of you, Father. Uh, in Jesus' name pray, amen. So, Mark 14, beginning of Mark 14, I'll read it for us. It was now two days before the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And the chief priests and the scribes were seeking how to arrest him, him being Jesus, by stealth and kill him. For they said, not during the feast, lest there be an uproar from the people. And while he, he being Jesus again, was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he was reclining at table, a woman came with an alabaster flask of ointment of pure nard, very costly, and she broke the flask and poured it over his head. There were some who said to themselves indignantly, why was the ointment wasted like that? For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they scolded her, but Jesus said, leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you, and whenever you want, you can do good for them, but you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial. And truly I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. Before we get started kind of dissecting some of the text and some of the things we've learned from it, I know this message applies to me. My question for you today is, as you listen to the Holy Spirit, does this message apply to you as well? As we go through this, if there's something that sticks out to you, tune us out. If the Holy Spirit's dealing with you, spend time there. We're going to ask a lot of questions, things for you to be thinking about. But our goal is to spark a, a connection with God where you can spend time with God. So, again, don't, we won't feel bad if nobody's looking at us here in a few minutes. That's okay. We're also going to be talking about doing something and, and our response to Christ. Whenever that comes up, I think we need to say we are 100% saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Your actions do not save us, do not save me. Now, I want to be compelled to act for God because I've been given such a gift. But by no means are we going to compare ourselves with somebody else and say, well, I should have earned this, I should have gotten this. Grace covers all sin, all failure, so put that in your head. All right, last thing. We have a picture up there. This is an artist's view of what the scene might have looked like because they didn't have cameras back then. We know it's wrong, so take it for what it is. I liked it just because it put a mental picture to me of maybe what the scene might have looked like of the woman coming and then washing uh, the Lord's feet with her hair and her tears. Some of the interesting things I thought about in this scripture that we're not going to talk about, but maybe might trigger a thought in your mind, this would be Jesus' last Passover with his disciples. And I think of Cameron graduating last year from his senior year, there's those special times you have with those close friends. And sometimes you don't know when it's the last time. Jesus knew, but his disciples did not. The irony of the religious leaders plotting to kill the Lamb of God, but they didn't want to do it when they were celebrating their deliverance by a Lamb from God, the actual first Passover. And three, how Jesus broke social norms by even going to a dinner at the house of someone who was a leper. That would have been a challenge. Um, we had a great conversation by Emily Lavender about the table and what a table meant when you ate with someone. Eating with someone who was still known as a leper would have been something. That's not what we're going to focus on. 
Today we're gonna focus on the beautiful thing that Jesus talks about, the beautiful thing the woman did for him. So let's return to the dinner and see what we can learn. And what a beautiful thing it was. I mean, if you look back in the story, nobody knows except for really Jesus that he's gonna die in three days. But God sent this woman to anoint him before his death, a death where he died and conquered death for us. But this woman got to anoint Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, before um, he died. And that's such an honor and a sacrifice for her when she didn't really know the full gravity of what she was doing. I mean, look at verse 9. Jesus said, she has done a beautiful thing to me. And I don't know about you guys, but I want to do a beautiful thing to honor my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So today, we're going to look at a couple thoughts that we might have from the, the woman as she prepares to go to this dinner. One of them is, what holds you back from doing a beautiful thing for Jesus? Could it be social rules, your own past, maybe how you value your self-worth, or maybe even the people's disapproval around you? The first is social rules. So Jesus didn't subscribe to a lot of the social rules of his day. There was, hey, don't talk to a woman at the well. That would have, and a Samaritan at the least. He didn't follow that. Um, when this woman comes into this dinner, it, it seems like she's uninvited, I would presume, right? Doesn't say that she's not invited, but from the scene, looks like she isn't. Jesus didn't tell her to leave. Jesus welcomed her um, and, and let her perform the anointing that she was going to do. So as you think about where maybe a beautiful thing you can do for the Lord, recognize what holds you back. That might be a social rule. Another thing that might hold you back is the past. I mean, everyone has a past that we might not be proud of. I have a past, my dad has a past. I feel like we all have a past. Um, but before we even talk about the past of the woman in the story, let's talk about the path of past of Simon. In verse 3 it says, and while he was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, even he is referred to by his past ailment, his past in leprosy. Um, he is defined by society by what he has been in the past. But now to the more main character in the story, the woman. Uh, other versions in the other gospels refer to her as a prostitute. She was someone who is considered unclean, unholy, and unworthy by society for what she has done in her past. So no one gave her any sort of compassion or the time of day for what was a beautiful thing that she did, except for one man, Jesus. But the more relatable thing I see in her is that she is a sinner like me. Um, we all sin, we all fall short. Um, but as someone who fall, fails and falls time and time again, it's hard to imagine why God would want me, right? Like, I'm broken, I'm flawed, why would God want me? But that's because Jesus looks past the past. He doesn't look at where you were. He looks at where you are now. He looks at where your heart is for God. And I think that's a beautiful thing about our Lord and Savior is that he loves us for who we are. So I ask you, what in your past is defining you today? And as you look at that past, sometimes that impacts your self-worth. Am I worthy of anointing the Son of God? It's unclear whether she knew that she was anointing the Son of God. She knew she was anointing someone. Obviously, she was called to do that. But don't let your own self-worth define what you can do for the Lord. Take a step back and go, I am a de defined and my identity comes from God alone. That's where my identity comes from. Out of that, we can then serve God in ways he calls us to. And finally, things that may be holding you back is the disapproval of others, of society. 
I mean, the attendees at the dinner rebuked this woman for what she did, saying in verse 4, there were some who said to themselves indignantly, indignantly, that's a tough word, why was the ointment wasted like that? I mean, these people disapproved of her actions even though she was glorifying God, but Jesus saw what she was doing, the beauty of what she was doing. And sometimes I have to constantly remind myself that I should not let the opinions of other people affect my religion for God. The world tries to tell us who we should be, who we have been, and how we should think about ourselves. And if we disagree with that, they disapprove of us. But can I be honest, who cares what they think of us? Because the only opinion that matters is the opinion of our Father in heaven. Because at the day of judgment, it's him who judges over us, not what the world thought of us during our time. So I think we should go and seek approval in God versus seeking approval of the world, because in the end, God is the only one that matters. In verse 9, it says, And truly I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. And though the world disapproved, I, I would think it would be pretty cool for 2,000 years later for my stories to be told on a sermon in a church 2,000 years so far away from when the original thing was happening. But that's because God approved of what she did. So I ask you, what is holding you back from doing a beautiful thing for Jesus? Our second question for you is, where are you being led to do a beautiful thing for Jesus? In this story, and there's a couple versions of this in the different Gospels, right? We picked Mark. Um, there's some discussion of where there are different events. Was Jesus anointed many times? I am not a biblical scholar, and I will not try to solve that question. I'm going to assume that they were the similar ones, because I mentioned different houses, different times. But there's definitely an emotional response to being in front of the Lord. Growing up, it was kind of more the knowledge of God and keeping our hearts a little bit away from God. It was more, you know, follow the rules, those kind of things. In this story, we see direct emotion of her loving on the Lord. There's an anointing, there are the tears, wiping of his feet, cleaning his feet with her hair in, in a very lowly thing, very humble way. As you're being led, be sure to listen to your heart and where emotional responses come up in you to situations. I wasn't really taught that as a, as a younger person to do that. It was more keep out your emotion from God. But let that emotion come up in you. Now, it does say in the Bible that our hearts can be deceitful above all. So you need to test where your heart comes from. So there is a good test in there. But I would challenge us today to look at this woman's emotional response to being at the feet of her Savior. If it's been a long time, I love it when Brother Albert prays. He is often brought to tears um, because I think it's, I've never asked you, Albert, but I'm assuming it's because of your close connection to the Lord and feeling that presence of him. But I will tell you, if it's been a long time since you've cried before the Lord or had a deep emotional response Work on that a bit. That might be the spot the Holy Spirit's asking you to spend some time for this morning. Another thing about being led is sometimes I don't know where I'm being led. I feel like in my time with God, I'm not hearing anything from him. Um, and I know that's happened time and time again in my fearful life. I try to discern what he's telling me, but I end up with nothing. I mean, right now, I'm a college freshman, and I have a big path like big choice ahead of me of where I should go in my pathing. Should I continue on a degree in accounting? Is there another place I could glorify God better in my life? There's a lot of options ahead of me and I don't know where to go. 
I don't know what to do. But I find myself asking too much. I need to slow down, take a breath, and just listen and rest in the presence of God. Need to listen and rest in his presence because if you're just asking and asking and asking, you're never gonna make time to listen. If you're in class and you keep raising your hand, you're never gonna learn from the teacher because the teacher's just answering the questions. So for me, what I do is in the morning when I spend my time with God, I listen to a worship song, which we all know are like 10 minute long songs. I put in, put in my headphones, I put my head down on my desk and I just listen for 10 minutes. And I'm not saying every time you're gonna receive something because I still don't know where I should go in my path in life. But I know after that 10 minute time, I feel so refreshed because I just spent good intentional time with God. So keep praying, keep being in the word, keep being a part of community and keep practicing those spiritual dif- disciplines. But make sure along with the asking, you take time to just listen and rest and just never give up in your time with God. As you're listening, Be listening for the Holy Spirit's prompting in your spirit. For me, and this is just me, the Holy Spirit will highlight somebody when I'm in a class. And and the best way I can describe it, it's almost like there's a spotlight on them. There really physically isn't, but I, I notice somebody more than somebody else. They stick out. When I have followed the Holy Spirit's prompting and talked to that person, there has always been a reason for that prompting. Often it's that they are having a tough time and they just need somebody to talk to and listen to. Sadly, I'll tell you, there's times that I don't act on that. I see them. Uh, the other day it was in Target. I saw a gentleman four times and he had that, but I'm like, it's going to sound really crazy for some old guy with a cane to walk up to you and go, hey, I'm Mike from a church and I, hi. So I didn't do it and I should have. And I, I, I do feel bad about that. But listen to that Holy Spirit's prompting. He might be leading you to do a beautiful thing for Jesus. So the question here is, where are you being led to do a beautiful thing for Jesus? And the last main question is, what will you sacrifice for Jesus? Um, A little story from third grade is we played this game called Groundies. Uh, If you don't know what Groundies is, it's a tag. But when the tagger is on the playground, you have to close your eyes. But the benefit is if the tagger hears somebody running on the ground, you yell groundies, and then that person is the new person. That's it. So something weird that we would do, because we're third graders, and let's be real, guys, third graders are so weird, um, is whenever there are two people about to get out on the playground, we would all start chanting sack of rice. Not sacrifice, but sack of rice. I don't know why it was sack of rice, but hey. Um, Again, third graders, they're weird. But we would start chanting sack of rice, sack of rice. And then one person out of those two people would come forward and get tagged. They would sacrifice their body and their life in the game so the other person could live. And we see that on the cross, and we see that in this story, is the woman sacrificed something, 300 denarii worth of something, which is about a year's salary, for somebody else to be furthered, for Jesus to be anointed. So a question is, what will you sacrifice for Jesus? Um, And then off of that, how will that bring you closer to him? Obviously, in the story, it brought the woman, like, physically closer to him. She was pouring something over his head. But there's also a spiritual closeness in there. And uh, I think it's the Luke version of this story. Uh, Jesus forgives her of her sins and puts her on her way. I mean, what better way to be spiritually closer to Jesus than him physically saying to you, your sins are forgiven, go. 
I mean, Jesus saw her spirit and saw that her heart was in it and was moved by it to forgive her for her sins. And an easy example I see in my life of sacrifice is fasting. You deny your flesh to satisfy the spirit. Um, you don't eat for your meals, and then the time of your meals, you spend time with God, and that's, that's a way to sacrifice something you see as worthy in your life to then go and make closer time with God. You put to death your earthly distractions so your sacrifice will bring you closer to Jesus. Again, as we talk about sacrifice, I'm gonna still mention grace because it's very easy to think that you've gotta earn this, you don't. It's also very easy to compare and say, am I giving an alabaster jar? Am I giving something of significant value? That's not the point of this discussion today. I am gonna challenge you, but that's not the point to compare with each other. So are you willing to sacrifice something significant? I had lunch with uh, one of our members um, about two weeks ago, and she asked me, Mike, are we really willing to give up something significant? Something that costs us. Now, we give a lot here, we do. Um, when there's a need, we give a lot. I also think we've received a lot. So I, I'm a math person, accounting by training, right? So when you give me numbers in a uh, story, a, an event here at this dinner, I immediately do math, right? So it was a year's wages in that time. So of course I pull out Google and look up what is the median annual household income in Williamson County, right? And again, it doesn't matter where you're at, this story says Jesus praises her for she could do what she could. So don't compare yourself to others, that's not the point of this. But I do wanna give you a sense of the gravity of this gift. Today, that would be $112,000 in Williamson County. When you say, hey, that's about what people make in a year, that's the median, meaning middle, household income in Williamson County. Some will be more than that, some will be less than that, not the point of the story. Two mites from the widow was given way more than anybody else because she gave 100%. So don't do the math and compare yourself, but do think about it as a significant gift. Are you willing to give a significant sacrifice for your Lord? I have no idea what that is. For many of us, it won't even be monetary. But where is that alabaster jar, that thing that you put value in that you hold and don't sacrifice to God. Again, listen for the spirit. What's he saying to you? Where is he pulling? And lastly, does your sacrifice glorify the kingdom of God and not yourself? I mean, I think it's pretty obvious in this story is that her sacrifice did not glorify her in any standard. She threw herself down at the Lord's feet and she was in a posture of bowing down to Jesus, and that's not anything for personal glory, that is humbling yourself before the Lord. But that's something I have to always remind myself is when I do something for Jesus to make sure I'm not doing it so others think I have this Christian image, that I'm a good Christian person, but I'm doing it because I care about people and that I want to serve God and Jesus and volunteer and do things like that. So I need to make sure my intentions are pure for when there is a sacrifice I need to make. Uh, it's said in Sermon on the Mount that for the people that do things for vanity, that they have already received their reward in full. So, if there's time of service or intentional time to glorify God, I challenge you to make sure you're doing it for him and not for your own personal image gain. Um, there are multiple ways to sacrifice your time and different ways to glorify God, uh, but I, I need to always remind myself to do this, just make sure you're humble 
in your sacrifice. So, what will you sacrifice for Jesus? As we wrap up today, we're going to have family prayer time at the end of the service. The hope is that's a moment we create some space for reflection so you can think, hey God, what are you asking me to respond? Where am I going to be asked to do a beautiful thing for you? So we'll have some minutes for do that. Also, if you've got prayer requests at that time, absolutely, by all means, feel free to go and share those uh, with the, the ministry team and the shepherds that will uh, go around the auditorium here in just a few minutes. As you begin a reflection, I'd ask you to think back to the few things we've asked about. Identify what holds you back from bringing your beautiful thing to the Lord. Sometimes that reflection, you can go, yeah, I got to let that go or I got to deal with that. But don't let that thing that's holding you back keep you held back from giving everything to the Lord. The second was listening for the leading. Where are you being led? Where's the Holy Spirit prompting you? When you see something and you feel that deep in your soul, what is that? And deal with that because very likely that's the Lord leading you. And lastly, what will you sacrifice? And I hope you hear the heart of that. It's not just give. It is sacrifice. We've been given so much from our Lord. But Jesus said back in Mark 14, leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you, and whenever you want, you can do good for them. But you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She's anointed my body beforehand for burial. And truly I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. So church, I ask you today, what is the beautiful thing you can do for Jesus?